welcome to the Irish Pagan School podcast. Your hosts are authors and co-founders of the Irish Pagan School here in County Waterford, Ireland, Laura O'Brien and John O'Sullivan. Falcha. Tag the e-book, it's Falcha. Hi, hello and welcome. It's John O'Sullivan from the Irish Pagan School and we are here with our next section or segment in weekly connection content um so today we'll be diving into deity relationships as in interrelationships between deities and how they can make um things a little bit more complex for ourselves but before we do that i'd just like to remind everyone that there is a free resource available for um being able to diagnose what are good and bad resources really it's one of the more common questions we get here at the irish pagan school um and we have talked very passionately hopefully and very consistently about the fact that um like bad information is is damaging but misinformation is actually harmful it's harmful to um you know cultures to people's practices to their relationship with deity and to their own spiritual growth so it's very important to us to make sure that wherever possible we're pointing at what we see as good resources um and so that is the the available there in the description go down and grab a link on it there and it is something that can really help move someone's process of growth in irish paganism along uh, in 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 a structured way um, and also get you onto our mailing list where you can engage and connect and interact with all of the amazing content that we give here at the Irish Pagan School but then also be you know given the heads up when we have those social gatherings those like second Saturday kind of live hangouts where we get to just be around each other and be a community of people who are Irish Pagan associated and um, so to dive back into our topic there today it was a comment that came up on one of the other videos I have done recently in, in our train and one of the other kind of recordings I have done, uh, which was thoughts on violence and the Dagda. Um, so the, a person kind of reached out to us uh, on the comments and they mentioned that they've been dealing with Lou recently. They've had an interaction with um, the Irish god Lou uh, being more present in their life. And they ran into a bit of a concern because there is according to the story there's an issue between the dagda and lou in that it's lou who killed the dagda's son kermit which then set off the story the narrative for the dagda to go and take up the power over life and death where he takes up the club and takes that responsibility onto himself as well to bring back the son who was slain by lou um so also then in this kind of cycle of animosity, it's later on in the tales that we find that Kermit's three sons uh, are the ones who actually kill Lou for the death of their father, Kermit, even though Kermit was brought back to life. Um, so they pursued Lou and they attacked him and Lou fled from them into a lake where he drowned. Um, Lou's body is then recovered from the lake and he's said to be buried on the hill of Ushnock, which is um, in the centre of Ireland. It's kind of the belly button of Ireland, if you kind of look at the map of the island. Um, and it is a significant like spiritual site, heritage site, ritual site. Um, according to the mythology that we have, the Dagda, actually when the Dagda took over the rule of Ireland from Lou, Lou ruled for 40 years, the Dagda took over next and ruled for 80 years. And the Dagda didn't rule from Tara, the Dagda ruled from Ushnok. He actually ruled from that place in, in according to the mythology. So I'm looking forward to getting my own experiences when I get to visit there, uh, hopefully soon. 
So this person kind of communicated their concern to us. Um, given the, the 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 challenges that we see in the stories around the Dagda, but then also we see Lou with his temper uh, and how he is quick to anger and he is he himself is quick to violence in the story where he kills Kermit over an indiscretion. Um and then also where in the there's another kind of version of the tales where Lou is is less a Tuatha Danann deity, but more of a, an other world entity. Um, and in that version of the tales, Lou's father, um, Cian, is slain by the three sons of Turin. And those three sons are, are then put upon by Lou to complete some tasks for him in order to kind of to to pay off the blood debt for them killing his father. But all of these tasks are, in essence, traps. Lou is setting them up to fail and setting them up to be slain. Um, so he kind of asks them for these, you know, oh, I just need you to go and get this thing for me. And it turns out the three brothers have to overcome horror, nightmare, monsters and battles in order to kind of get the thing, which Lou was like, oh, yeah, it's simple. Just go over there and get that thing I'm looking for. One of the more famous ones is um, I want you to go to a hill and give three shouts on the hill. Um, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, just go up that hill there and shout three times. So when Lou asks for that of the sons of Turin, they're like, that's. Okay, right. But uh, when the three sons arrive at the hill, the hill is under the protection of a group of warriors and they are oath bound to ensure silence on top of the hill. And so by Lou putting the three sons of Turin into three shouts on that hill, he's literally sending them up to hit that hill to be murdered by the people who are defending its quiet. Um, so there is this temper that we see in Lou in the stories. There is this kind of animosity and um, aggression that comes across in many of his circumstances. And so the person having a relationship with the Dagda already and experiencing or building a connection in their spiritual path with the Irish god Lou is afraid that there will be some level of animosity or difficulty or as the words they put upon it is and um, they don't want two gods to have an argument or a fight in their head um, so they were looking for any tips of god etiquette on Dagda and Lou or on another example Morrigan and Maeve would be useful so the first thing to really kind of say about all of that directedness is that whatever information we have is information and stories to help us understand, build, guide, and build towards our relationship and our connection with ourself and then with deity. And um, what we find as we kind of begin to build those connections is that, especially with the Irish gods, working with one Irish god usually leads to working with more than one Irish god. Um, Laura has taught classes on it in the Irish pagans go meeting the, the Irish gods, for example. And the, the term she uses is that you almost get ganged up on, like you buy, oh yeah, oh, oh I'm really interested in Bridget and, you know, I'm just, I'm going to work with Bridget on like, you know, flame keeping or on women's mysteries or on like, you know, be in the circumstances or whatever it actually is. And then next thing you know, the Dag is there. Next thing you know, the Morrigan's hanging around. Next thing you know, Lou's turned up. And suddenly this, what is, what was intending to be a, a singular relationship becomes a, a polytheist expression of connection with deity. Um, it is not uncommon for that to happen. It is in fact quite common for that to happen. It, it's rare that 
individuals would not develop some form of connection or relationship with the other gods in the Irish pantheon. And from our stance and my belief on it personally as well is that it comes down to the fact that the Irish gods are not monotask. It's not, oh, I talk to this god for weather, I talk to this god for love, I talk to this god for this. It's not a kind of singular thing. The Irish gods are multi-talented, multitasks. Essentially, if you look at Lou and the Dagda, oddly enough, both of them have an, a name that's attached to them, Lou Ildonach and the Dagda Savildonach. Um and they kind of both mean many interlinked skills. So Lewis, Lou earns his place in the, the hall of Nuada when Nuada was king of Ireland by being the one person present at Tara on that day who had many interlinked skills. And so it's entirely possible to be able to communicate with any number of Irish gods or a particular Irish god on any aspect of everything. Now, of course, there are some kind of key areas that, you know, we do look at and we do see that gods specialize in. Uh, for example, the Morrigan. The Morrigan is a prophecy goddess. She is a poetry goddess. But Bridget is a poetry goddess as well. Um, so we, when we look at these things, b- b- like the Morrigan in her aspects is a battle goddess. But Nuada could be said to be a battle goddess, a god as well. But he's also a god of judgment and a god of kingship. Um, so there's all of these different kind of areas and crossovers. And it's important to make sure that as you're approaching your relationships and your connections with deities, you treat them as individuals as much as they may turn up as a collective, as much as we believe in polytheism, their existence and acknowledge the relationships with multiple deities. The individual's deities themselves are still worthy of connection and respect and, you know, building up an understanding with the uniqueness that is that individual as much as their part within the collective. Um, so I personally wouldn't go to Dean Kecht if I had issues with children or issues with my relationships with children, because we know from the narrative and the stories, he's not a good dad. <laughs> he straight up murders one of his ch- children for outstripping him in the fields of medicine. If I was looking for support on that, I would go to the Dagda, who is said to be an all her, which is a great or ample father. He's the big dad of all of it. And we see that in the stories time and again, where, again, Kermit gets in over his head the da- and dies. The Dagda goes and brings him back to life. Angus gets in on his head, making promises he can't keep. The Dagda comes and bails him out. His daughter, Bridget, time and again, almost seems to be the inheritor of so much of the Dagda's resilience and ability and sense. That You'd have to wonder, are we missing stories somewhere back on the line where Bridget is an absolute creature of anarchy and flame and the Dagda just has to find some way to help her temper herself? Um, I actually, I think I wrote a story on that myself. Um, Adagtobard.com is where I have my stories, the third string. So um, there are many different aspects to be considered as we're approaching it. But I could talk to the Morgan about battle. I could talk to, you know, the Bive about battle. I could talk to the Dagda about battle, you know, and the challenges that I that we battle against and overcome for ourselves. Um, I could talk to Gwivnu about feasting uh, as much as I could talk to the Dagda about feasting. You know, I could talk to Lou about healing in the same way I could talk to Dean Kecht about healing, because that is someone I would. I would go to Dean Kecht if healing was something that needed to be resolved or his daughter Armage. Um, so it is about 
understanding how they interconnect with each other, how the they themselves offer a variety of services to their collective, to their tribe, the, to Tuatadana, to their people of Ireland, uh, but then also respecting them as individuals, not taking them or seeing them as homogenous, interchangeable. Well, I just threw a prayer at Ireland and I'm sure someone's going to answer. Now, again, I have done that when I was at my wit's end in the past. I was like, whoever is hearing me before I even knew the name of the Dagda, I was like, I actually just fucking need help here. Um, and now that I think about it, it's probably how I invited the Dagda in to find me all of those years ago. Um, so it's possible to approach those things, but once we begin to have an understanding of connection, of identity, of what deity, God, guide, guardian, spirit, ancestor, we're, we're working with or, or interacting with on our spiritual journey, it's important for us to acknowledge and respect that relationship for the individual nature that it is, as much as we may have other relationships. So, um, for example, I have many friends. I have many people I team, acquaintances, pals, as many people I get on with, but I have three people I consider best friend in all this world. That's not including Laura. Um, so, and even those amongst those three people, there are certain aspects of my relationship with them that I would express as much as I know I could express or anything or everything with all of them and, and, and find support, find compassion and respect. There's still certain things that like I know I could talk to one better about than I talk to the other. And that's kind of analogous of how it comes to when dealing with our connection with deity and our relationship with these energies and entities in our life. Um, and that doesn't make any one better than the other. or doesn't make any one lesser than the other. Despite the fact that sometimes they don't get on either. And, and that's really what it loops back around with this narrative. Like we can see that from the stories that there was conflict between Lou and the Dagda. Absolutely. Does that mean that there still is conflict between the Lou and the Dagda? It would be presumptuous to think that is so. Because those stories are written down like generations ago, thousands of years ago, um, and coming to us from language of the ninth century in oral traditions, ninth century old Irish, which was firstly a written, a spoken language, and that's what we have written down. Um, and those stories carried down through the lineages of bards from way, way before that, since we actually could start telling stories about national identity and Irishness, like the stories of our gods have come down to us that way, but. All of these stories are known as teaching tales. There's some moral of the story to learn from it. There's some aspect of, you know, growing and changing to understand or experience from it. And talk of the story, talk of any kind of narrative where there is conflict, it doesn't just stay with the conflict. It leads further on to how it was resolved, how it was ended, even if it ends in a debt or uh, anything like that at all, it still leads to an end of it. So humans have a great capacity for judgment. Humans have a great capacity for grudges. Um, and, you know, we are very limited in a temporal sense in that every single one of us has a birth, has a number of breaths that we get to take throughout our life, and then we have an end where the last breath will leave us, you know. And no matter how long that is, it's still a short period of time compared to ever-living endless deities um, or immortal entities of the other world. So the idea that we have 
grudges or we have emotional issues or we have kind of animosity towards someone it it's understandably human but gods aren't human <laughs> in some ways so um i think when we approach these kind of things oh and also the morgan and the mave um thing there is a lot going around about how the mave and the morgan are enemies and how like they do no just just no at no point in any of the information of the lore does it specifically say that the Morgan and the Maeve are enemies. Maeve, Queen of Connacht, goes into the cave of the cats, goes into Uvnagotch, the fit abode of the Morrigan, and comes out with the three stone-headed cats to deal with the Kukulin, Lerbujok, and Conal Kurnock issue in the Ulster cycle. Do we think for one moment that Maeve would have been able to go on another world journey into the other world and not just go in and come out safely, but also go in, come out with the necessary tools of judgment for the heroes of Ulster if it wasn't for the support of the Morrigan. I have literally been to that cave of the cats. I have been down into it once in my entire life. I feel no compulsion to go down to it again, but I have had the honor of being present when many other people have made their first pilgrimage to it. And I have seen people turned away at the door having come all the way they can, having come across like the oceans to be there in that moment to try and experience a connection or to move forward with that. And I've seen people try and climb down into that cave and just stop and have to come back out, knowing that that moment is not for them. So... Hello, this is Laura Ryan, and I want to make sure that you get access to our free gift for you, which is the Roots and Reverence Ancestral Connection Toolkit. So this is a five-day guided exploration, which will be delivered to you free over email series, and it's as enlightening as it is grounding. It's designed for anyone who feels a kinship with Irish paganism, whether you carry Ireland in your blood, your heart, or the soul memories of lifetime past. There is no cost, only the promise of authentic connection to Ireland, as ever from us. So go to irishpagan.school forward slash roots, that's R-O-O-T-S, to get your ancestral connection toolkit. And again, it's all free, delivered free over five days. There's resources, there's exercises, there's connections, there's all sorts of cool stuff. So I hope you enjoy that. It is our free gift to you for being a valued podcast member. So back to the episode. There is no animosity between the Maeve, and, well, between Maeve and the Morrigan in that instance. And a lot of that stuff comes from the bullshit misconstruing circumstance of the Morrigan testing Kukulan in the Ulster cycle, because the Morrigan appears to Kukulan and then kind of challenges him. And she actually says that she's the one who has, who is standing over his death. She's the one who holds his doom. And when he kind of disrespects her, she go, she says, I'm going to come against you as an eel, as a heifer, as a she-wolf. And he wounds her three times. But then later he undoes those three wounds by giving her three drinks of milk when she is a haggard, wounded crone. Um, so there is a whole series of this. But because of the the misconstrued perspective that the Morrigan in some way loved Cucullin, absolutely not. And Cucullin was against Maeve because Ulster and Connacht, you know, then the Morrigan must be against Maeve. That's the leap. 
the leap is wrong. Um, because the conflict between Ulster and Connacht is a political conflict between humans, which is a whole lot of bullshit that gods are aware of, but I don't doubt they're as invested in as we think they are. So um, what it really comes down to, to kind of move it to the practical steps, which is what was asked for, the etiquette, um, the etiquette of approaching and connecting with deity is to treat them as individuals, to treat them as respected entities of themselves and then also allow space for putting aside our own presumptions and our own bias based on what we have been informed of in the past or informed correctly incorrectly of be it the maven of Oregon circumstance um and allow for the relationship to dictate how the interaction goes if we believe that our our gods are amongst us, if we believe in the existence of uh, these entities and energies in our life and the influences of them, if we carry on with the the core belief and fundamental faith in other world entities and the gods of Ireland influencing our lives, then we need to believe that they will tell us how and where and when and the relationship needs to grow, change or shift. Um, I many times, and I think I've answered this question in a couple of different formats. Uh, people asking about, well, I have an altar space, and can I put, you know, Lou, uh, my Lou stuff on the same space as my Dacta stuff, or can I put the Morrigan stuff anywhere near the Mave stuff, or can I put the Bridget stuff anywhere near the Morrigan stuff? And you know, essentially, what it really has to come down to is building that space for you. Altar space isn't is is a space to invite in the gods, but it is our space to invite in and work with our gods and so if the space works for you that's what works for you and you might find that like you know okay well actually i i've had people talk to me that like you know they they built an altar space they have this separate area where they engage with all of their gods and their the, the various irish deities but for some reason whenever they're in the kitchen is where they get the most dagged stuff so they ended up moving the the dag the stuff off the altar space and into the kitchen space in their home. And that just fit for them. That just worked for them. In our house here, we have the office space where we work and, you know, it is two shelves on a bookshelf. I have a secondary shelf and that's where I have dag the stuff and a cauldron for Ireland. Um, and above that, Laura, on the shelf above. And it's not like, oh, the top shelf and the middle shelf. There's no ranking here. There's no ego in that kind of stuff. Um, well, at least definitely not from the Dagda point of view in, or my point of view. But like the, Laura has the Morgan stuff, the Maeve stuff, the Monon and stuff, but also Oma with the work she's been doing in the Om and the Om Academy. So it is about making the right connections and relationships with our God's guide and guardians and then allowing for those relationships to dictate what is best and what works for us. So the best kind of etiquette I can say is to look to yourself first, look to your own like security, your own sense of self, your own sense of identity, and then be very practical about, well, this is where I come to worship. This is how I, where I come to engage with my gods. And if my gods are going to come engage with me here, then it needs to be fit for both of us, for me and my gods, not just for whatever the gods want. Um, and so when it comes down to specific examples with Dyke and Lou here, um, I personally don't see any difficulty between Dyke and Lou at all. Um, I have my own grumblings about Lou, but Lou is a fucking straight up dead sound deity to have on side. If you have a problem and you don't know who to talk to, 
talk to Lou because he is the one of many inter- interlinked skills. Or the Dagda, because, you know, I'm biased for Dagda guy. Dagda guy's Dagda's just great. You know, Lou might lose his temper with you. The Dagda probably won't. It'll take a heck of a lot longer to do that. Um, not saying that Lou is temperamental or that people should be afraid of Lou. Uh, that's not what I'm saying here. I, I'm i rambling off here and I need to be cautious of not kind of overdoing that. But essentially it is about approaching them each uniquely, building your relationship of respect with each as a unique individual. And then once you have those connections built, allowing for those connections to dictate to you how it works best as a collective or as a whole. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. Hopefully that gives some kind of perspectives or insights. As ever, I think it's worth definitely understanding the stories, but don't take the stories as the only information or as the only way that things are, because the story set the foundation or set fundamentals or set baselines that we can understand these energies and entities and gods and guardians through, but that they're not set in amber. They're not like, you know, frozen statues in time. They're not archaic energies or entities from the past. That is a a, a biased perspective for me. And it's a foolish perspective for me. Um, like the Morgan is a goddess of fucking prophecy. She has been seeing the future from the very fucking beginning. Do you think she's going to stop doing that? Do you think she's going to stop moving with the times uh, and like adjusting and growing and keeping the agenda running the way it needs to run so that, you know, she can carry on her work through down, down through all of these ages. Um, Dagda is not like, not some frozen, you know, robes guy or like you know I, I i write a lot of stories about it myself and i think probably if anyone is interested in how i view the the current manifestations or how i have seen the the gods and goddesses of ireland in my own experiences i'd recommend going and have a read of those stories because some of them do take place in our modern setting and you know i i would find the dagda wearing workman's outfits as much as you know wearing robes on a fancy day you know i've i've walked with him on freezing cold mornings where i'm wearing a heavy coat and she he's wrapped up in a hat and a scarf like it is about how we build and grow our connections with their deities and allow for the uniqueness of each to inform us is the best way to approach a healthy relationship with God's guides, guardians, deities, and in particular Irish deities. Because again, as I mentioned, if you get to know one, you're probably going to get to know the rest, even in some way, shape or form. So thank you very much for that query. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being an awesome and amazing community with us here at the Irish Pagan School. As I mentioned, do make sure you pick up that free resource because it can help stave off some of that harmful or dangerous misinformation that is out there. It can help steer to, you know, what we see as the good and the right resources to get a a good foundation and growth. And also accept the fact that no matter where you are right now, it's easy to change and to keep on growing just because we've made mistakes in the past doesn't mean we have to stay in the past we can grow we can change we can learn and uh, you know experience new things for our, our life and our spirituality so as ever Gaurav Mahagath thank you very much for being with us here at the Irish Pagan School and until the next time Slán goodbye
If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review in your podcast listener. Then head over to irishpaganschool.com and enroll in one of our free or paid courses. Slongafol, and we will see you next time.